Hello and welcome to episode 97 of My Circus, My Monkeys. It's still October, so I thought I'd continue with more scary things that plague supervisors. We talked about stress last episode, so today I thought I'd dig into one huge cause of stress, imposter syndrome. If you've ever doubted your abilities as a supervisor or wondered if you should find a job where you don't have to supervise anyone, stay tuned. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. Last week, I was doing some individual work with someone from the Supervisor Strengths Institute. When I asked them what they wanted to focus on, they said just earlier that morning, they told their supervisor that they were having a crisis of confidence and didn't think supervising was really in their wheelhouse. I asked why they felt that way, and they mentioned some unresolved issues with members of their team, and just this general feeling of never being able to stay above water. Now, this wasn't the first time I've heard statements like this. These days, all too many supervisors in higher ed are doubting their abilities. This is absolutely stressful and damaging to those individuals, but it's also negatively impacting our field. Most of us would call this phenomenon imposter syndrome. You're a supervisor, but you don't think you have what it takes to be a good one, so you feel like a fraud. Now, we've all had bad supervisors before, and we know that the whole strengths philosophy is that you're great at some things, but not others. So yes, it's definitely possible you're not well-suited to be a supervisor. So if that's true, why is this so scary? Let's start with an analogy, shall we? I think if you're working in higher ed, especially student affairs, you consider yourself to be something of an armchair psychologist, right? You wonder what's going on deep beneath the surface of your students and your staff when they don't show up on time or are struggling in some way. You spend time thinking about it and even try to broach those issues with those individuals so maybe you can help them get back on track. You love being able to solve these mysteries and help folks grow and develop. Well, let's say a campus counselor position is open and they haven't been able to fill it. Someone comes to you and says, Brenda, you're so good at helping folks and making them feel better. We really need someone in this position right away. And I think you'd be able to help so many more people this way. Obviously, you're flattered and there seems to be a need. You know something about the job from your work. TV, movies, that sort of thing. And maybe you even have experience going to a therapist yourself. You feel like you should be able to figure things out and decide to do it. Now, for those of you who are campus counselors and are thinking, wait a bleeping minute there, Anne. You can't just put anyone in that position. They need specific credentials and training. Just hold your horses. I'm getting there. So now you're a campus counselor. All these students are coming to you with their problems that go far beyond your experience 
and you suddenly realize you're in over your head. Sure, you have a great bedside manner, so they feel comfortable sharing, but you realize you just don't have the expertise to handle many of the issues they're dealing with. You can handle some situations, like the ones you did in your previous role that required listening and helping them either better understanding their options or resources on campus, but you have no idea what to do beyond that when students present with anxiety, depression, or other mental health disorders. You quickly realize that you're a fraud and absolutely should not have that role. And in that situation, you would be absolutely correct. Campus psychologists, therapists, and counselors undergo rigorous training and years of practice before they get their degree and become certified. You don't have that, so you shouldn't be doing it, even though you're pretty familiar with everything a counselor does. But in this situation, are you really at fault here? Sure, maybe you should have known better, but who the bleep encouraged you to apply and then hired you knowing you didn't have what you needed to be successful? That person 100% sent you up for failure, in part, because they were stressed about not having anyone in that role. They knowingly threw you into the role without making sure you had the training and skills you needed to be successful, or providing them after the fact. Now, in that example, mental health professionals are required to have specific training and certifications to practice. That's the law. Supervisors aren't so lucky. There is no training requirement that happens prior to a supervisor jumping in and taking charge of a team. The vast majority of supervisors are chosen not because they're skilled at supervising, but because they're good at what they do. During the interview, you might have been asked your philosophy on supervising. And since you had a basic understanding of what supervisors do and have had supervisors yourself, you gave a decent answer. But even though there were no legal requirements regarding supervisor training, the folks who hired you set you up for failure if they didn't give you any support or training once you started. And let's be honest, even us, when we finally hire someone, we're just so excited that we can stop doing parts of their job that we cross our fingers and hope they figure things out themselves, including supervising. But let's jump back into the participants from the institute I mentioned earlier. I told them that realistically, they had no accurate information on which to assess whether or not they were a good supervisor. They had been thrown into the position without the training they needed to be successful. Quite frankly, most supervisors today have too much work to handle without even factoring in supervision. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But when you add on that role, and folks are guaranteed to fail. No wonder this person felt overwhelmed and that supervising wasn't a good fit for them. But instead of blaming the system, this person was blaming themselves and doubting their abilities, and that's the real problem. Now, if that person had been trained and developed the right skills, might they have come to the same conclusion? Absolutely. Some people aren't the best fit for a supervisor role, but there's no way to tell that unless you've had the opportunities to learn what supervisors are actually supposed to do, and develop the skills necessary to do those things. The system we have now sets folks up for failure. Then, when things aren't going well, you feel like you're the problem, but you are not the problem. Being a supervisor is a complex job that requires training, 
the right systems and the right skills to be effective. For example, do you know what the four core roles of a manager are? Go ahead, shout them out. I'll wait. If you didn't know the answer, why would you? You have a thousand things to do. If your role as a supervisor isn't a priority to the folks who hired you, that's not where you're going to put your focus. Now, FYI, the four roles are recruitment, engagement, performance management, and development. And if just hearing that made you feel even more inadequate and overwhelmed, again, remind yourself that no one has ever told you this or made it a priority that you understand it and develop skills and systems to be effective in those roles. Quite frankly, the folks who hired you and asked you your philosophy on supervision also have no idea what those roles are, so they had no real basis for assessing your answer. Why would you be good at supervising if you've never been told how to do it? And that's scary because things are stressful enough without you doubting your abilities and blaming yourself when things aren't going well. If you're struggling, most likely it's not because you lack the ability to supervise. It's because you lack the training and support you need to be effective. It's far too easy to blame ourselves, especially when we look around and think we see others being successful in the role. When we do that, we start wishing we were more like Chris or Pat and try to do things like they're doing them. The problem with that is twofold. First, just because they seem like they're succeeding where you're not doesn't mean they are. It just reinforces your belief that there's something wrong with you. Second, even if they are succeeding, they have different talents than you do. Trying to do what they do is setting yourself up to fail again, which you'll think proves you're no good at being a supervisor. The other half of this imposter syndrome is that practically everybody in higher ed is being asked to do too much with too few resources. Just for a moment, Imagine if your supervisor showed up and said over the course of the next year, your workload was going to double. How many of you nearly had a panic attack just thinking about it? For those of you, like me, who've been working in higher ed a while, you know that in the past 10 to 15 years, the workload for everyone has at least doubled. And realistically, it's probably even more than that. If you're relatively new to the field, you might be surprised to know it hasn't always been a constant state of putting out fires and trying to catch up like it is now. So what changed? Sure, our understanding of student development and how we support students has somewhat evolved. But really, most of that increase comes from fears about enrollment and retention. The lower enrollment and retention rates go, the more panicked institutions get. That means cutting budgets and throwing more programs at students. I've mentioned in previous episodes, higher ed folks love a new initiative. Most of what you're doing now started off as an exciting new initiative to solve some retention issue. Unfortunately, we're all so busy, no one has time to assess whether or not these new initiatives accomplish their intended goals. So you just keep doing everything and being asked to add on more. I don't care how much you know or how sharp your skills are, if you have too much to realistically do, you're not going to be successful. It is impossible. The person with the crisis of confidence had so much of their own work, they wouldn't have been able to stay on top of that even if they weren't a supervisor. So now we have folks judging themselves and feeling inadequate, both about being a supervisor 
and just doing their job. This is not a recipe for success for you, your team, or higher ed. Even when you better understand the supervisor role and have the time to develop the right skills, until you learn how to prioritize and start getting the amount of work you and your team have under control, you're still not going to feel like you're up to the job. But again, this is a systemic problem, not a you problem. I mean, I guess it is your problem, but not because there's something wrong or lacking with you. When people like you aren't given the training and support you need to successfully lead your team and prioritize the work in front of you, you're going to feel overwhelmed and perhaps like an imposter. That is really the issue. When you think you're the problem, you don't question the system or fight to get yourself the training and support you need. Supervising doesn't have to be so stressful or overwhelming. You don't need to feel like you're constantly failing. There is support out there, including this podcast and the work we do at Strengths University. So if you're a supervisor, start prioritizing supervisor training for yourself. The more you know about supervising, the more effective you'll be and the less stressed you'll be. If you're supervising other supervisors, prioritize training for yourself and them. Push back to create a more reasonable workload and empower your team to do the same. Let us help you. I've talked about the Supervisor Strengths Institute on many occasions, but we also do individual coaching and team training. If you're not sure where to start, shoot me an email at ann at strengthsuniversity.org, or there's a link in the show summary where you can set up an appointment with me. The field of higher education is losing far too many talented professionals because folks like you aren't being given the right training and support. Maybe you're considering leaving the field yourself. Instead, we need to give people the knowledge and experiences that will set them up for success. If you feel like you're not getting what you need, fight for it. Whatever you do, do not judge your ability to be a supervisor based on your experience so far. Push to get the training you need so you can start developing the right skills and systems to be successful. Do the same for your folks who supervise others. And until next time, stay strong. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website. www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for 
more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th. Go ahead and register now. Check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.